Hello, and welcome to No Brainer, a podcast by Heal the Brain with Jane. No Brainer is here to demystify brain injury falsehoods, foster hope, and hopefully inspire a chuckle or two. As a founder of Heal the Brain with Jane and a neuro OT, Jane stumbled upon too many aha moments and simple solutions to count. Jane is here to share these no-brainers while discussing the most complex organ in the human body. This is a celebration of the badassery that is the day-in and day-out experience of brain injury survivor. Wow. This episode with Tony Atkins was really surprising and heavy in ways that I did not expect but and could not have hoped for. Um, I really, really appreciate just how honest Tony is and what a stand-up guy he is, a stand-up human being. Um, It's a really, really hard time in um, our world right now. And um, he spoke really candidly about something that is really difficult to talk about. I felt very uncomfortable at times. And I'm really working on just embracing that because I know that these conversations are so important. I almost didn't release this podcast because it's really exposing a lot of how I think and feel. And then also I really fumble my way through it. I'm very uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with saying, how do you feel as a black man? Uh, I was uncomfortable with asking about how he feels walking to his car every day. And um, I was saddened and, and felt awkward to hear about how, um, how Tony has experienced a world that I'm a part of too, um, as a practitioner and just as a human being. Uh, and I really appreciate him for being so honest with me and that, um, we had this time to have this conversation and I hope you'll give me some grace if I say something wrong or if I I didn't ask the right question because I'm still really learning and, um, I'm really trying to listen. I was thinking a lot about this book that I read recently that I recommend to everyone It's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And one of her quotes is, what is better, uncomfortable truth or comfortable lies? Every truth is a kindness, even if it makes others uncomfortable. Every untruth is an unkindness, even if it makes others comfortable. And I think that I didn't realize that I was listening to and absorbing a lot of untruths about the black community in America. And, um, it's not a kindness and I'm ready to be uncomfortable. And I am so grateful and thankful that I had somebody who could kind of walk me through what, um, his experience has been. I might lose some followers from this or whatever. And, um, I think that's okay because, Heal the Rain with Jane and No Brainer is all about getting through life and being authentic and being human and learning and 
using your brain and, um, and cultivating your spirit. And so, um, I just really humbly say that I'm not perfect and I'm really trying. And I hope that you really enjoy this conversation because I did. Tony Adkins is a physician's assistant and he's just a great human being. He makes everybody who's around him light up. I'm just going to quickly go into his bio um, so that you know him. But around the interwebs, he's known as the dancing doc um, because he likes to dance with his patients. And that's one of the things we really talked about. While we talked about the heaviness of what's going on in our society and just um, some of his life, um, life, I wouldn't say struggles, but how he deals with his life. Um, It was really cool too, because I got to see just how resilient he is. And I wish that I could bottle up Tony Adkins resilience and just like, I don't know, take, drink it, like have it in my pocket whenever I need it. His philosophy on treating patients is to individualize each patient and family on the best practice rooted in a recovery model. He hopes you find his page uplifting and empowering for healthcare providers to think outside our set boxes to deliver exceptional care to our patients. When Tony's not in the hospital, he is um, volunteering. He has over 2 million followers um, on all of his social media platforms. And he's just like a delight to talk to. And he's a delight to, um, yeah, to watch. So I can't thank him enough for this and for, again, for being so candid. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And um, if you do enjoy it, please um, take a minute to um, write a comment and um, and rate the podcast because it really helps with, uh, with me just keeping doing what I'm doing. Um, also, I just want to briefly say that we are we are still having workshops on Friday at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. and um, and that we will be having another body image workshop in the future. But if you um, weren't able to make that one, you can find it on my YouTube page, which will be linked in um, in the show notes. And also I'll have more information about Tony and all of the very many things that he does to support um, the medical community and people with disabilities, um, specifically people with neurological disabilities uh, in the show notes as well. I just want to wish you guys, everybody, uh, some feelings of peace and, um, and love. And again, thank you for listening to this and um, sorry if I'm fumbling through it. Hopefully we can fumble through it together. Another Glennon Doyle quote, just to start us off, blessed are those who are brave enough to make things awkward for they wake us up and move us forward. So there are awkward pauses and uncomfortable moments in this podcast. um, But I hope that Uh, those pauses lead to some different thoughts and um, just a different way of moving through this world. I hope you guys are having a great day. Reach out to me at www.healingthebrainwithjane.com and sign up for the newsletter if you want to hear more from me.
Okay, enjoy. Welcome to another episode of No Brainer. I have a superstar with me today. I'm like out of control. So I've been really nervous. I had to limit my coffee this morning because I have Tony Adkins with me, physician assistant and just a superstar of the medical world who really, really individualizes his um, treatment plan with each person and has been such a guiding light in the medical community. So welcome, Tony. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm really um, pleased and pleasure. It's an honor to be here. So the dancing doc, how did that start? Uh, so it actually started with one of my patients that suffered from uh, leukemia as a kid and mm -hmm. he beat that. And he started having a lot of different neurological issues that mm -hmm. caused neurosurgery to get involved. So he was um, in uh, the hospital for a long period of time and I would see him every day and every day I would see the glow of childhood kind of escape from his eyes. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, when I see him next time, I'm just gonna throw in some music, see what happens. And I throw in some music, I started dancing with him and it, it worked, you know, he kind of livened up, his mom was crying, she filmed it, she put it on social media and then it just kind of went on from there. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and, and then, and then where, I was, where I grew up from, that's the reason why I use music. Wait, you use music from where you grew up from? Yeah, so where I grew up, you know, I was the youngest of uh, two older brothers, and my mm. mom's mom and my brothers were involved in gangs, so I couldn't go outside, and I would hear nothing but, you know, police sirens, helicopters, gunshots, um, and that's all I heard all, all, all throughout the night, and sometimes during the day, uh, so I used to turn on VH1 um, when it was, when they had videos, as well as yeah. internet. And I would just start listening to the music and looking at the videos, and I would just emulate like, everything I saw. And so that kind of took me out of my environment. So it made me feel great, you know. So as I grew up, I stopped watching TV and only focused on just music. And so that's when I brought it into my room because it helped me when I was a little kid. So that's why I started using it with that one particular patient, and it was a success. Oh, my God. That really kind of hits me in a – really powerful way, especially because today is Blackout Tuesday and our country has been suffering so much for a long time. And now uh, we're getting to the point of extreme uncomfortable. Well, everybody, you've been uncomfortable for your whole life is what you were saying before we even started. So how has that been hitting you and impacting you? I mean, you're in the middle of COVID and doing all this. How has that been for you? Um, as far as the uh, what's been going on with within the African American community has you know it's it's been something that's been a part of you know our culture you know um, once you're leaving home and you know my mom would always you know she instilled in me when I was a little kid is like you know always you know make sure you have a receipt for all the things that you have when you're coming out of the store uh, make sure you're not loud when you're out in public so people are looking at you different uh, make sure if you get pulled over by a police you put your hands on the on the steering wheel make sure they know where you where your your hands are at um, always ask questions can i get my my driver's license as red, as well as registration and i'm reaching for that right now so this is what your mom taught you before you would go out. 
yeah. So these are things that, you know, within the um, African-American community, the things that you should know to survive. And it was never written down on a piece of paper. It was something that everybody knew and it would just be passed down from generation to generation of things that you should do and shouldn't do in order to stay alive and come home that night. And oh my God. It, it's, you know, looking back at it, you know, it was a way of living. It was a way of life, you know, and that's the way that we have survived. Um, mm-hmm. It's when you go across, uh, go against that grain and you test it, that's when things go wrong. Um, yeah. like, I don't want to put my hands right here. I don't want to, um, I don't need the receipt. You throw that away. So, you know, those are things that unfortunately that we've had to do to adapt. I was thinking about you. Um, well, I've been thinking about all my family and friends and I was thinking about you're such like this bright light and you have this like crazy presence. You can tell that your patients just like light up when they see you and I really admire you. And I was thinking like, Oh my God, does Tony feel scared walking to his car at night? Like, does Tony worry about going to the grocery store? Is Tony worried about wearing a mask in public? Like, I, it just, it's just such an awareness that mm-hmm. I haven't had, you know, and when we're talking about like white privilege, it's so freaking uncomfortable. Cause you're like, I, what do you mean? Like, where is that coming from? And I have, you know, my parents weren't talking to my brother about how to keep his receipts and to keep his hands up. You know what I mean? He could be a little shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really heavy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's different. You know, we, we know um, how, you know, we can, the, the sense of the environment, once you go into a place that nobody looks like you, mm-hmm. you know what, you know, you know, you can always feel that there's somebody looking at you different. Mm-hmm. And once you, get that and understand that then you know how to brush a lot of things off because it's a lot of uh covert uh, racism daily that you know people like myself feel yeah and you go into a supermarket where you're the only one mm-hmm. and then people you know look at you when you go into a mall and you go shopping people you know worried about you know can I help you? And, you know, and other people are around and nobody's asking them. So yeah, all these different things is like, just constant. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you're, you're so used to it. Mm -hmm. Some people just look for it. Like, you know, you know, they're going to, I know they're going to come over and ask me, what am I, do I need any help? And do I need all this? You know, you know, you, you get used to it and it's just something that, um, after a while, you're numb to a lot of things that happen. That makes me feel so heavy. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm actually, when you were talking about your mom listing off those things, that really made me tearful because I have two little sons and I keep looking at them and thinking, what if I was afraid for them every day? It's just really, really tough. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. You know, my 
my um i remember times where you know my mom would if the phone starts ringing uh after 10 o'clock and my brothers are not at home before she starts before she picks up the phone she prays to pick up the phone that is not Mm -hmm. something no bad news that's going to come in on the other end has it have you had any awkward not awkward but maybe um bad uh, reactions in the hospital lately because of the protests and what's going on? Well, you know, you, you always get a lot of um, patients that would say, you know, why, you know, they, they're talking to me and saying, you know, why are they saying Black Lives Matter? So it should be all lives matter. And then I just, you know, I have to educate them and tell them, you know, there's nothing against everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just, unfortunately, there's a particular uh, subset of people that are systematically continue to be uh, disenfranchised and things always going back for them. So there's nothing saying against no, not everybody matter. It's just- well, and obviously you, you of all people, like every, every color, every person, every age is on your platform. You are obviously pro people and making people healthy and happy mm-hmm. like it's like so a core part of you mm-hmm. i hate the all lives matters thing because it's sort of like it's sort of like um oh somebody used this i think it was an, a musician but um they're like if one house on the street is burning mm-hmm. you don't send the firemen to the all the houses on the street you send it to the house that's burning yeah mm-hmm. and the african-american community is burning right now right and enraged and I'm enraged too. And I, and more people need to be enraged to Mm -hmm. change it and to feel uncomfortable. I mean, even just being like, I was so nervous to talk to you because you're amazing and I adore you, but also because this is like a heavy time and Mm -hmm. I would be remiss not to talk to you about it, not to really like lean into it and be like, you know what? Like I didn't realize, but I have racism in me. And be and because I am and I have white privilege in me, and I need to sit here and listen to your experience, even though it hurts. Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable for everybody involved, and you know it, it hurts all the time when you know that uh, nobody gives a damn about your people, and you try and try and cry and you. You pray, but nothing changes. You know, yeah. it's it's like you know you give so many people uh, so many uh, different things and and tools to use, but yet you make it so hard for them to grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, and I have you know, you know, growing up in a in a ghetto, you learn to appreciate a lot of different things because okay, nothing. Where did you grow up? I, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Oh yeah, okay. And it's uh, where uh, the rapper that just that's last year got um, killed. His name is Nipsey Hussle. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brothers were in the same gang as he was. Mm. Um, so I grew up in the same area in Crenshaw, um, in Crenshaw District, further a little south, right before Inglewood. Yeah. Um, and you know, in these areas, you know, things are so. Uh, so scarce resources, you know, there's, there's no jobs for people. Um, There's a lot of fast food restaurants, there's liquor stores, 
and there's not a lot of food security. We go outside, then we have, you know, the Vons, the Ralphs, the Pavilion, but you go in, inside these um, areas where they're kept um, in ghettos where, you know, you can't really get out because if you travel out of that area and go towards Culver City, you get stopped by the police because the police want to know why you're there in Culver City. Yeah, why are you in Culver City? You don't belong here. And I used to get stopped all the time. Um, and it's, it's just so much things that kind of push people to stay in those areas. And then, then you're forced to be in so much close contact with people that you, you're a resort to uh, selling drugs to make money or stealing yeah. to make money or, you know, you know, fighting with each other uh, because of there's been so many areas where things have broken down and you now you have to make factions to make gangs to, to survive. Um, so it, a lot of the things that have happened within these communities stems back from a long time ago in the 60s where everything was all pretty much together. It was a big cohesive because there was so much uh, KKK violence against African-Americans. They developed so many different things to kind of help stimulate. We used to have Black Wall Street and San Bernardino, you can read about it, mm-hmm. um, on the 15 freeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one side, was it 15 or 210, one of them. But if you take the 91 all the way up and then it'll oh, run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So San Bernardino, downtown San Bernardino, on the east side was considered um, the, the the Caucasian side, but on the east, the west side of the freeway was the Black Wall Street or the Black area, um, their businesses. So they developed the freeway that it only exits on the east side and enters on the east side. So it drained the business of the Black businesses on the west side of the freeway because they had no freeway entrances or exits. And you tell me that that is that's terrible. Well, it's systematic, and I think that's what that's what I think a lot of white America's eyes mm-hmm. are opening to the systematic. I mean, mm-hmm. when we had my husband and I were talking last night when we had the um, people coming out and protesting about wearing masks, the police were protecting them. Right. We have people protesting people being murdered, and it's police against us. Right. Right. It's right. it's horrifying. And if you look at the aerial footage of two weeks ago um, of Huntington Beach, there was a big, huge protest of open up the beach. Yeah. And then yesterday, or uh, this past Sunday, there was a big, huge protest of um, Black Lives Matter. And it was, you know, police were up there to the T. And you can look at the aerial footage of how the protest was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just strikingly different. You know, just people just feel that, you know, we're not supposed to talk and we're not supposed to protest. There's no good, there's no good time to protest. Um, Tony, you how do you not get like, I mean, I was going to ask you this even before, like you work in neurosurgery, you, you work within some really heavy things. I used to work at city of hope and I really struggled. I struggled with the, death I struggled with the heaviness how do you do it how do you stay like this like shining bright light and like even right now I can't even like go on social media right now 
okay? I can't even, I mean, we're talking, the world feels like it's just imploding. How do you stay this person? Um, it's a lot of different uh, things that you kind of do to kind of stay sane. Uh, I was in the military for nine years, so I went through that type of, you know, trauma, rebuild, trauma, rebuild. So, you know, you get traumatized all day in, in the military and then you rebuild yourself. Right. You learn how to deal with those traumas every day, either it's from a drill sergeant or either it's from just working and being in the military, knowing that, you know, you may have to deploy at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as living in where I grew up, you know, you're always, you know, traumatized by the things that are around you in your environment and have to learn how to adapt just to stay alive and stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, being uh, African-American male and the only one around, you learn how to uh, deal with that. So it's not just the kids. It's, it's, it's everything when you only look like yourself. Uh, so, Dealing with kids, you know, it is, it's very tough. Yeah. But my, my mom instilled in me at early age, you know, to treat everybody like you want to be treated. And that's the way I treat everybody. I treat everybody, not only just the way I want to be treated, but the way I want my family member to be treated. Yes. Um, and so yeah. I, I see a lot of bad things with kids. Um, mm. But I go back to the things that I've been through and how I have adapted and how I've learned to uh, move on and, and continue to compartmentalize different things in different areas because you have to learn how to compartmentalize when you're going from one room to the next. Because one room, patient maybe on the ventilator, could have gotten beaten by their family members or could have fallen out of a window. Mm-hmm. They're not talking. And then you have to go to another room where patient just probably failed and got a little skull fracture. Mm-hmm. They're doing fine. And we're just watching yeah. them for the night. Yeah. Got to learn how to cut that person or that patient. Right when you get into the room, you know how to treat. And then right when you get out of the room, you know how to leave it there. Yeah. Next room and be fresh. Like you've never seen anything bad all day. And don't, that takes time. You know, it's, it's something that does not come overnight. Cause when I first started, I had a really bad time trying to cope with the fact that some kids did not make it. Yeah. I, I, I could not cope. I and and so now I work with brain injuries mm-hmm. and usually people are pretty stable. Yeah. But I still sometimes really have to talk to myself when somebody comes in and they're so depressed and so unhappy with their life mm-hmm. and then to be able to stop and you know take what's not take what's theirs and then go to the next person and be something for that person that I'm still really in that learning period with that. But I see you doing, I see you with your patients and I'm like, Oh, I love it. This is exactly, this is exactly the kind of light that I want to be too. And it, it's, it's so much fun, you know, to be able to see a patient light up and to be able to see the smiles on parents' faces Mm. rewarding you know I would do it many million million times over it's really cool because I feel like I don't know if you were I mean you were in the army too so it's um did you get your training to be a physician's assistant in the army no no I didn't 
So security escort in the army. Oh, cool. So mm-hmm. then when did you go to, or where did you go to school? Um, uh, so I went to University of Washington for my physician assistant program. Nice. Um, I think my cousin maybe have went there, but um, I was just wondering because I think that's one thing that is kind of tough. Like I have a really bubbly personality and I dance with my patients too. I'm going to start videoing it and send them to you. They're not as cute as yours. Um, but I was like, I, that was not acceptable when I was working in the hospital. Now I have my own private practice so I can be as weird as I want. Yeah. But like when I was in the hospital, they, the older like PTs would be like, Oh, here comes Susie sunshine. Cause mm-hmm. I would like come in and have my big makeup and big earrings or whatever, you know? And I was like, here we go. And, um, I wonder how, like, how have you, have you been received? Like, have you had any problems with that? Like where you come in and want to be warm and not as clinical because you could still be clinical and be human. And I think that's where you shine and where I've learned a lot from you just watching you. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not the normal in the hospital. Yeah. So it is definitely not the normal because you're different again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a unicorn. (laughs) He's the black unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Coin it. Uh, but it's, you know, when I first started uh, this and posting on social media, I had a lot of people that were, you know, how can you be like this with your patients? Your uh, doctors should not be like this with their patients. So I was like, you guys knock it off. You know, this is what I like to do and they love it more than I do. I was yeah. like, you do what it, you know, you accept the way that you like your provider to do your visits and let my kids and their families enjoy me the way that I do my visits. Absolutely. And it's, it's been so rewarding. I mean, you can tell, and you can tell that the kids are immediately set at ease and that's way better than a doctor coming in or a nurse or therapist or whatever, who's like, get up, do 10. I mean, for me, like do 10 reps, you know, get back in bed. It's like they're kids. Like they just want a friend and they want someone to just be with them and reassure them. I'm sure. Right. 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 Exactly. But have you gotten like any bad feedback about that? Like at first you said you did a little bit. Yeah, no, I did get it from one of the hospitals that I'm at, Uh, not the children's hospital, but um, one of the other hospitals Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a major corporation and Their corporation, the headquarters is up north, uh, Northern California. Yeah. So they are. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. So they're old school. (laughs) (laughs) I know what that is. (laughs) They're old school. They, you know, they were like, you know, on contract. It states no social media, blah, 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 blah. Right. No. And so it was like cease and desist. And no, like, no problem. You know, isn't. Yeah. So I stopped. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, at the children's hospital, it just caught on fire and mm-hmm. was on, you know, started being in the local newspaper, then went on yeah. national newspaper, then went Good Morning America, then ABC World News Tonight, then Australia News, uh, two different ones, and then all the local news stations here. Um, it just went on fire. So, yeah. and the, the other hospital just lost it. 
Um, they lost what could have been just like basically, you know, publicity of their hospital doing something different. But yeah. The hospital um, took over and it's been nothing but just a huge positive uh, success within uh, the realm of taking care of kids in a different way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one thing that's hard. I mean, we're talking about change yeah. globally right now, but in medicine, I do think it's hard to change things. Yeah. You know, we've been working a certain way for a long time. And um, so to be like, you know, I want to, I want to have a, a genuine relationship with my patients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to know their families and I want to hurt when they hurt because yeah. I'm human. That's yeah. a real different approach. Right. Yeah. Because the, the, all the, the previous models of medicine has just been, you know, taking uh, the doctor's word and taking their doctor's medication and diagnosis. But mm -hmm. now we're moving towards a holistic and uh, looking at the patient as, you know, a whole, not just treating them uh, medically, but looking at them and treat, try to treat them mentally as well. And that's what I do. Uh, Tony, I just wish I could like give you a hug. I feel like we started out real heavy and we kind of brought it back. It's just like a crazy time. Yeah. It's a crazy time. And I just, oh, I appreciate you so much. I feel like we could just riff for a long time. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to have to meet one day. I agree. I agree. Yeah. We need like a serious hug. And I think we need to, I think we need to, I need you to come back on in a couple weeks. No problem. I'm, I'm always available to. How do we, hold on. Actually, I want to know this. Do you have children? Yeah, I got two daughters. Two daughters. Okay, I have two sons. How, how old are they? Eight and 16. Eight and 16. How do you have time to work at so many hospitals and you volunteer all the time? Yeah, no, it's just, you know, you have to find that balance, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, they, yeah, when I was a, you know, everybody, when they're little kids, they always dream that they're going to get married, they're going to have some kids, they're going to have a yeah. life. You know, when I was a little kid, that's how I used to think, you know, I used to think like, you know, before I went to sleep, you know, I didn't count sheep. I just made up make-believe families. That was crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I made up make-believe family, you know, because I, I couldn't fall asleep right away. And, you know, a lot of kids, they do these things when they can't fall asleep, they either count things or, or they start thinking about different things. But when I was a little kid, I have vivid uh, uh, memory because it used to, I used to have this little thing almost every day. Um, just think about, you know, I wanted two girls. I wanted to be married and I wanted to have a nice car and I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and that's what I wanted. And so when I got it, it's like, you know, the best thing ever, you know, they brighten my life, you know, mm. they are my world, you know, my girls are everything and we do everything together. Oh my God. I love that. I love that so much. That's so amazing. It really is the power too of like that idea that you could, you're like, I want this, you know, and this could be possible for me and you're making it possible for a lot of other people. I appreciate you so much, more than you will ever know. And thank you so much for really speaking to some difficult things today with me. I mean, I was just going to talk to you about neurosurgery, but this was way better. It's <laughs> <laughs> been very, you know, um, very emotional for me, you know, over the past like week. So 
you know, this is, you know, another way for me to let off steam because, you know, I used to just, after work, I used to just go to the gym and just work out, you know, and I would kind of, that'd be like my sanctuary, but now I don't really have that. So now I just kind of, uh, just, you know, just kind of hang tight at home and mm-hmm. think of my girls and my wife, or I just hop on, I just bought a, a bike yesterday or last week. So now I go bike riding. <laughs> so. Oh, I love it. I love it. I know it's, we don't have a lot of outlets right now. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. And I, I just really appreciate you because this has been like a therapy session for me. I'm like, Tony, what's the deal? How are we going to go through this? How are we going to get through the pandemic? How are we going to get through um, everything? You know, it's just uh, been really helpful. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and this effort that you're doing to bring awareness to everybody. Ah. All right, dear. Well, we will do this again. Yes, ma'am. We will. Okay. Take care. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye now. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) 